Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Diary of a Professional. It is Lou here. Ashley. And we are happy to have a wonderful guest, Kiafiara Melendez. We will get into all of that. But, of course, we have to get into our gratitudes. What you got, Asham? (laughs) So, I just want to say I'm grateful for the people who take the time out to listen to us. Um, the people who are really, um, engaging in our episodes. Um, I just got to do a quick shout outs to the New York, New Jersey, holding us down. <laughs> um, you know, a lot in like Texas is listening. So oh, I'm just, yes. yeah, Texas and Georgia and Maryland. So I just want to say I'm, I'm grateful for the community we're building. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, me, I am grateful. I'm going to call it a new season. You know, most people's new year kind of starts on, you know, January 1st. I mean, I'm there too. I'm celebrating uh, more independence from my people. But anyway, but February 1st is like my new year because, you know, I'm a, a year older. And so I feel like it's just like, all right, it's smooth. It's not too bumpy. It's feeling like, you know, definitely a lot of reflection, but happy I'm here and it feels like growth and it feels like positive change. So I'm happy for that feeling. Some uncomfortable, but you know, it's necessary for growth and change. Um, So I'm just excited to see what's next. Ah, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank y'all. Yeah. Um, and for me, I would say um, I'm definitely grateful for the families that I have worked with, um, both children and parents, actually, um, in particular, right, children, Black children of color and children of color. Um, there is something so special in the dynamic that we constantly have together, um, mm-hmm. where they feel seen, where I feel mm-hmm. seen, right? Um, so I'm really grateful for those families that I have worked with. I love that. I love that. So we're going to get into everything about what you do. Some, you know, real conversations as usual. Um, So Kiara Fiara is a therapist. Um, She, I mean, you have so many. Do you want to run down your accolades? Because you got a couple, honey. You know, (laughs) there's so many. um, What's the word I want to use? There's so many like intersectionalities. Right. Right. Um, We'll get into intersectionality soon. Yes. Uh, And so, yes, I am a therapist and I have also held positions in charter schools, in private schools, um, as school social worker or director of social emotional learning. Right. I am also a mother, a daughter. Um, I love public speaking in particular. Right. Um, It's something that I really enjoy um, providing knowledge to others as well. Um, And so, yeah. And I'm a dope friend. Okay, I'm a dope friend. Please understand. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Thank you for being a friend. Yes. (laughs) I get it in my head. (laughs) I'm not going to sing it. Not going to do it. But the tune is there. The tune is there. The tune is there. Yes. Um. (laughs) So speaking of intersectionality, we wanted to talk to you about um, Afro-Latina identity 
and the different implications that come with it. So we wanted to start off, you know, how do you define yourself in terms of culture, ethnicity, or and nationality? Absolutely. This is such a layered and great conversation. So thank you for inviting me to your space to be able to have this conversation with you both. Um, so I do identify as an Afro-Latina. Um, when I think about my culture, right, I think about my culture being that of the African diaspora. Mm-hmm. When I think about my ethnicity, right, I, I'm Afro-Latina, right? Um, and when I think about my nationality, my nationality, I think about me just being, not just, but me being a Black American, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm Black first, okay? I'm Black first. Um, I was born and raised in the United States. Um, and I grew up in the Washington Heights area of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up speaking Spanish. Um, my mother is a Dominican woman. Um, my father is African-American, right? Just to give you guys some context. Right. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really who I am. And I love, I love me. Let me just say that. Yes. And I want all young people to love themselves as well. Um, representation is so important. You know what I mean? So important. Yes, it is. It is. And I was wondering, too, have you always seen yourself in that way as Afro-Latina? So I think that's that's um, a question that I can answer in two parts, if that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Right? I think like growing up, right, it was definitely, I had moments of confusion, right? Depending on, you know, where I was or who I was with. Um, I think about... Now, as a 40-something-year-old woman, I've, I've arrived and I am, I am here, right? I can identify both sides of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I think research and books and talking with family members and visiting um, the country of origin of my mother, right? Like visiting the Dominican Republic, um, speaking with my grandmother, right? Um, taking a Black Studies class under, in undergrad and in graduate school, learning more. Right. Um, but I do think that growing up, it was confusing in many ways. It was definitely confusing. There were times where people would say to me, Oh, you're not Spanish. That word, you're not Spanish. I'm like, right. Like at this big age, I'm like, Spanish is a language. That's a language. That's a language. Right. Right. Um, but really what they wanted to say was you're not Latina. Right. Um, And, you know, growing up in Washington Heights, what I would often see if I'm like walking into a bodega um, and things of that nature in the early 90s, what you would hear is Latinos bad mouthing black Americans. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so when I would hear that because I spoke the language, I began to question my own existence. Right. Right. And I would have to come home and ask my mom, like, am I black? Wow. Right. This is real. Yeah. Yeah. This is real. And she would look at me and say, absolutely, you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so I do think internalizing the things that I was hearing was really, really hard growing up. 
Um, and then, right, like with further education and conversations, um, I also think about like lack of representation, right, in the media, in institutions. I didn't often mm. see people who look like me in middle school or in high school. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so it, it was definitely hard. It was definitely hard. Um I didn't always see myself that way. And I never feel at this age that I have to choose. This is, this is all of me. Right. Because growing up, I remember right. in middle school, I would be like code switching. Right. Ooh. I would speak Spanish. I would speak Spanish in my home. Mm-hmm. I would speak Spanish when I heard other people speak Spanish. And then I would stop speaking Spanish when people would speak to me in English. Mm. right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so at a young age that was that was still hard to navigate still hard to navigate see like you know going off a little tangent here it when you speak of representation because you know we see like when certain movies now come out how it's important or whatever but i've heard like people you know if you watch let's say a telemundo or univision where certain people that's the only kind of spanish outlet that they have mm-hmm. but no one looks like them yep absolutely i'm sure you've seen in telemundo or um televisión right the mm-hmm. news right. there's um some of the shows that they have the telenovelas mm-hmm. right right the novelas you see a hardcore there right it's like you know, the lighter skinned woman is the one who has a husband and is in love. And if he's, you know, doing something, something else or some, something along the lines that, you know, may not be acceptable. It's like with someone of darker skin. And it's like, why does this particular darker skin individual need to portray this role? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's deeply embedded. Right. Yeah. Colorism, racism, all of it is deeply embedded in all the systems, all the outlets. Um, that we watch and partake in. Man. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like what are the you the reactions you received when people assumed like you didn't speak Spanish, for example? I know you were mentioning about code switching. So mm-hmm. how was it when someone did see you speak Spanish and they're like... Oh. I mean, I think... I think it's different for, I guess it depends on the situation, right? Mm -hmm. But I think about, you know, like being on the subway and hearing, you know, a Latino talking about like something that I'm wearing or something along those lines. And I might turn around and say something and they might be like, oh, you speak Spanish, right? Um, And you speak Spanish well. (laughs) Microaggression. (laughs) I I cannot, right? Right. but it's sort of like people are like questioning my Latinidad, like how spat, like, right, here we go. Yeah. How yes. Spanish are you or how Latina are you? Um, and it's hurtful to say one, right? It's hurtful. Um, and then there are other times where I have had, you know, like black Americans, you know, you in the hood, you're walking out and they're talking to you and I, I might respond in Spanish and then it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you speak Spanish? Come here, mommy. Like, it's just <laughs> Ashley's face. Because <laughs> that leans into a whole other stereotype with yeah, the whole, 
you know, maybe when you were just black, you know, you was loud and extra, but now you're the hot, sexy, fiery Latina. You heard the undertones. Yep. (laughs) You heard the undertones. Yep. Now you're more desirable. Look at that. The messages, right? The messages that one receives. And I think about, um, you know, the young adults that are walking around and may not necessarily be critically conscious of who they are as of yet and are still doing their own inner work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so important, right? Like for platforms like this, like yours, to be able to hear other people's stories, other people's narratives. Right. Um, to get the information, right? Yes. To help them think. Yeah. yeah. So I am like very curious because I feel like, you know, here in America... I feel like every, you know, country or whatever has their structure, has their thing. Uh So what we see as like racism and colorism, how might it differ, you know, in DR? Like, is it the traditional racism that we think of? Is it some other definition? Is it colorism? And because of our construct, our American construct, you know what I mean? Like, help me make sense of it all. But so... The way I can make sense of it is that it's all intertwined, mm-hmm. right? It's all intertwined. Racism, colorism, white supremacy, institutional racism, internalized racism, it's all intertwined, okay? And so when I think about the United States and Latin America, um, first and foremost, like we know that racism exists globally, right? right. Right. Um, and I think about, you know, clearly the genocide that we're witnessing and things of that nature. Right. Um, and when I think of Dominican Republic specifically, mm-hmm. right, because I'm speaking about my firsthand experience, we share an island. Let's be clear. OK, we share an island with Haitians. Shout out to my Haitian brothers and sisters. Okay. Um, y'all share an island. We, we share an do. island. Okay. Y'all make, y'all make an island. <laughs> we make an island, Lou. We make an island, right? And so in Dominican Republic, racism looks like not wanting to um, provide business to Haitianos, right? Like mm-hmm. to Haitians. Um, not wanting to go to Haiti, wanting to prevent individuals of Haitian descent of getting jobs, right? Um, Being very meticulous about who you are communicating with in places where you see a lot of Eurocentric tendencies. What do Mm. I mean by that? So if you go to a resort, right? Um, most of the resorts, I think many of the resorts, if I'm not mistaken, in the Dominican Republic are owned by Europeans. Okay. Uh. And so there, most people are speaking English, not Spanish. They're speaking English or they're speaking, um, a Euro, a European language of some sort. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in me speaking English with them, they will respond. But the minute I talk, ready? The minute I speak in Spanish, it's like, oh, you're one of us. Like they say, de lo mio. You would think that because I'm one of you, that you would look out 
right. you would serve a little better or whatever the case is. That is not the case. Really? That is not the case. That has been my experience. Remember, I'm Black first. Right. And so when you see these things happening, you're like, wow. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you have to wave your American passport? Like, it's, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I had to wave it, right? But then they start asking, right? Like, where are you from? Um, from what part of Dominican Republic are you? Um, and it's really like to get more information so that they can decide whether or not that they want to do the thing. Oh, that's wow. real. That's real. And that's all. And I'm just speaking from my experience, right? Like, yeah, this is my experience. Um, I am, I'm certain that others have different experiences as well. Um, and so it's, it's definitely saddening, right? Because as a Dominican, if I decide that I am going to go to a resort, I expect the same service that you are giving to the white man standing next to me. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I I think I'm just trying to wrap my mind around like, I'm we are the same people. Like, I thought I'd be getting a hookup. I thought I'd be. <laughs> right like i'm not even asking for a hookup right i'm just asking right do you know what i'm saying like look out you know what i mean just look out that's all Mm. but yeah so it's it's definitely there um and it i think in all honesty you feel it you feel it right especially someone who is um Critically conscious. That's what I can continue. That's the word I continue to use. Right. But like, I'm just aware, right. Of when I'm treated differently of when someone says something that is a microaggression or, um, you know, giving you stares, giving you looks like that's real. That's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. I feel like me as a Haitian on the other side of it, besides like, you know, cause I remember even in high school, like I'm natural. My hair is natural. I just happened to have straightened it. But the times where I would get a Dominican blowout, I would have people be like, are you sure you're not half Dominican? Like, are you sure? Like, I in their mind, I think they think it's a compliment. You could mm-hmm. just say your hair looks nice. But it's almost as if there's no way you can be Black and have certain features that they consider nice, appealing, or it, they just the two just can't go together in their minds. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, when I think about you, hair. just you just have me. <laughs> oh my gosh, when I think about hair, because I think about right, like my own journey, um, and I think about my daughter's journey, and I realize mm-hmm. hers is also very different, right? Um, just to like share, right. It's the first time my daughter, my daughter's nine. It's the first time she straightened her hair and she's, you know, curly girl. Right. And and she straightened it and it was like a whole different ball game. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and both are equally beautiful. Right. Right. And that's the message that I wanted her to understand. Both are equally beautiful. Yeah. Girl, you ain't lying because I got a 10-year-old daughter and that's a whole other conversation. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But, 
But I'm happy. I feel like we're digressing, but I'm happy yeah. that you, um, you ladies are instilling that in them because I know I didn't have that kind of thought process. I just, I'll speak for myself. I didn't have that thought process. I was mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I got bad hair. I got to go to the Dominicans because they know how to get you right. They know <laughs> how to get out every single kink possible. Like, no, we're going to blow all of this out. Yeah. And I really accept mm-hmm. my curls until what my my 30s yeah my early right. 30s. so i well, do adulthood yep <laughs> yep it's a yeah. process it's a process yeah for sure it truly yeah. is for sure yeah um so what awareness would you like to bring to the conversation surrounding being afro-latina I think that I would love for everyone to understand that being Afro-Latina and just race in general, while we know this is a social construct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, things are not always so black and white, right? You have yeah. to leave room for the areas of gray. And I think that when I, when I think of young individuals still trying to figure out their, their racial identity, Um, They have to stay curious about who they are, right? And ask the hard questions. Please, knowledge is power. Read Mm -hmm. the books, right? Mm -hmm. Read the books, especially by authors who look like you. Um, I think that's really important um, because representation, and this is something that we were talking about, right? Representation is really important. Um, You don't have to, you don't have to settle for like one particular thing. We are so diverse, all of us, right, in different ways. um, And we should be able to embrace that and not have to choose. We don't have to choose. We can be both. And don't let nobody tell you you can't, okay? You can be both. I love it. Can you tell us more about your revolutionary services? Sure. So revolutionary services. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, revolutionary underscore therapist. Um, and so at revolutionary services, I provide um, psychotherapy virtually um, to black and brown folks, particularly. Right. Nice. Um, because access is important. Um, and this really developed because I saw all the red tape, right. And all the systems that were really hard for people of black and people of color to, um, be able to access. And so for someone like me, being able to provide those types of services to my community means Mm -hmm. the world. Um, and it's really a privilege, right. And so, you know, here I am providing therapy on a regular basis, um, to black and brown folks. I think it's important for you to honor both sides of who you are, right? Both sides of who you are make you whole. And so I think it's really important for you to be able to do the research, talk to your family members, talk to your friends, continue to read, follow revolutionary therapists and the professionals, right? Like it's, it's really important for that to happen um, so that you are able to see people who you resonate with, right? And who have similar experiences as you do. I love that. It's true. Because sometimes, you know, hopefully in talking to family, it resonates with them, but some people aren't ready for that conversation. So you might be looking for your community 
And here's revolutionary services, you know, mm-hmm. ready yeah. to have conversations with you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Everything is better in community. Yes. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This was All lovely, right. ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Of course. So, yes, everyone, please like, subscribe, comment, tell us what you think. Uh, make sure you visit Kiara Fiara's page. And we will see you next time.